0: hello hello hi
1: how are you on <laughs> oh i
0: am doing great how are you doing sunny
1: wow thank you for asking um <laughs> you know I'm feeling pretty exhausted um but doing my best to just get out of bed each morning and and live as they say so that's the update uh, under-
0: understandable here let me tell you something so um uh as you may know I've had a lot of free time in my hands recently mm-hmm. and uh besides making spoopy Halloween crafts I've also watched a lot of movies because I love cinema and I don't think I really got the chance to do so very much before and yes. so recently I love movies
1: no,
0: it's great yeah it, it's great and um and especially like recently, I've gone out and actually like bought like DVDs because I'm like, you know, there's a lot of things you can stream, but some you can't or it ends up being cheaper to actually just like buy a, a, a DVD of the thing than to buy the thing digitally. And, you know, you get to have the thing like physically, you get to have a case, a disc, like you get to own it in your hands. And I kind of like that. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, watching movies recently, right? So recently, I, des- <laughs> I decided to um, uh, purchase the Resident Evil franchise. And let me tell you something. <laughs> I, I'm not, like, an action fan. I'm not, like, I'm definitely a horror fan, but not an action fan. And these movies blend the two, the two, two things together, right? Those two things. So, why did I buy these? Because I just was curious. I was curious... You know, Corona, Zombies. I kind of just like, in my tints of my head, it clicked. I was like, I don't know, I kind of just want to watch these. Like, they've always been kind of a meme because they're so bad or whatever. But I found them for really cheap one day. And I was like, why the hell not? So I bought them. I watched all six of them in two days. And, um... <laughs> by the way, by the way, the, the, the division in those two days was, um, I watched the first two the first day and the other four the second day. So <laughs> that was That's a very really productive weird. day. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> my brain was mush. Let me just tell you. Okay, so first of all, um Mila Jovovich, right? Um Alice in the movies. Okay. Hot and also a, a way better actress than you'd expect. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, we kind of stand. I actually liked her so much after these movies. Not, again, not necessarily the movie so much, but her. That after these, I actually watched this, like, Resident Evil ripoff that she started <laughs> back in 2007, <laughs> while the Resident Evil movies were still being made. It was so weird. Like, why did she make this movie? Called Ultraviolet. I won't say anything else about that movie, but it's, like, a hot mess. But anyway. Uh, wow. just to and that is more, our intro like
1: into this week's episode of <laughs> horror movie review.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, no, no, no. This is this is like. This is like this episode's 10 minute little like like segue because because I actually did want to talk about this genuinely, and this is why. These movies are fucking insane. So there's six of them, and in order they are Resident Evil, Resident Evil, Apocalypse, then Extinction, then what the fuck comes after that? Um Afterlife, then Retribution, and then the final chapter. You can tell that, I hate that you <laughs> Now, listen, you can tell that they made each movie thinking it was going to be the last one. And this is why the movie titles, first of all, (laughs) like, listen to that. Right. Like the second one's called Apocalypse. Like what could possibly come after that? After the apocalypse? (laughs) Nothing. Right. But no, the movie makes back its budget. And then some. So, the studio's like, we want more, Paul W.S. Anderson. And they're like, okay. Which, by the way, is the director of all six movies and also married to Milo Jovovich. So, kind of weird. Whoa. Yeah. So, they're like, okay, we need to make another one. But what comes after Apocalypse? I guess we can call it Extinction. What after that? Well, I guess we can call it Afterlife. I don't know. It makes no sense. So, anyway. Second of all, you can tell they, like, didn't write these out as, like, a whole, like, six chapter saga, but rather thought that every movie was the last one because every single movie is very um they all have a kind of yeah like they all have a very definite sense of finality to them. Like mm-hmm. yeah there's still zombies at the end of each of them. It's not like they defeat all of the zombies, but they definitely finish the mission that each film sets the cast up for and it's kinda like done and that's it. They did it. It's really so... just six
1: episodes of a series. <laughs>
0: Precisely. <laughs> and third of all... Well, actually, I don't know if this really this really kind of um, validates what I'm saying. But just like a weird fun fact about these movies is that every single movie, except for the first one, because it introduces the universe. Every single movie after the first one talks about the movies before it in the intro with heavy exposition for like five minutes. It's insane. Like, I've never seen this kind of filmmaking. It's so cheap. It is so like... Like, audiences must be stupid, so we have to spoon-feed them everything. And that's for five straight minutes at the beginning. Like, for example, you watch the fifth movie, right? And it starts like this. Hi. By the way, every movie starts with a recording of Mila Jovovich saying, Hi, my name is Alice, and then recounting the past. So the fifth movie is like, Hi, my name is Alice. In 2000 and whatever, a virus escaped. So she's talking about the first movie at this point. And then she goes like, and then we... Something, something, zombies, apocalypse. So now she's talking about the second movie. And then she's like, and then we traveled to Vegas, my team and I, and we defeated more zombies. Now she's talking about the third movie. Like, that's literally the start of every movie. She just recaps the old movies. And I'm like, they're doing this obviously because if you're an audience member and you haven't seen the previous movies, they want to kind of like catch up to speed. But that's so cheap. Like,
1: honestly, they should have just pulled a Star Wars and had the credits roll at the beginning, you know? Honestly,
0: it's basically what it is. But like,
1: that's so funny though. So Mila highkey is just carrying the entire, the entire series oh, on her shoulders. Oh, the
0: entire thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's also, like, Final Destination movies, where, like, the whole cast dies every movie, except she survives. But literally, everyone else dies. So, it's a whole new cast every movie. Oh my god, movie. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably, honestly, because... Old cast members don't want to return because they're like, these movies are going to like affect my film career. Like, no, I don't want to do more than one. I only did it because I was a newcomer and I needed the work. No. Um, I, I don't think Mila thinks of it as that. One, because she kind of has like a gives no fucks attitude, which I kind of admire. But also because I think be- I think even if it's like a saga of critically panned shitty movies, if you're the protagonist, I, I, you, I think you still make enough bank that it's like it's fine. So Honestly, yeah. you keep doing them.
1: Especially you know, they're they're making profit, they're paying her well for it, hopefully. Oh, yeah.
0: But but any supporting actor though, no. So they don't return. There's like a couple returning characters in like the sixth movie that were originally in like the second movie, and I think that's because maybe their careers dried up or something. But other than that, literally everyone dies every movie. So, so funny.
1: I wonder if they ever address that by just... Do they ever just have Mila, like, curl up in a room and, like, cry for a while? I mean, that's a lot of (laughs) trauma for a character to just bounce back from every movie.
0: No, I mean, she'll, like, shed a tear, like, while looking hot and, like, killing a zombie. But that's it. That's, like, how she grieves, right? Um, anyway, like, not to spoil a lot, but the last thing I'll say about these is, like, the Umbrella Corporation, right? These movies are filled with plot holes. I mean, filled to the brim. And obviously they are. Oh, I think that's the, the third thing. You can tell every movie was going to be the last movie because these movies are filled with plot holes. And they try to, like, write their way into explaining them every movie, but they fail. So... The Umbrella Corporation is like the evil corporation that releases this virus into the world because of money. So basically, Amazon. So.
1: Okay, yeah. Then- I can see
0: it. <laughs> Totes. <laughs> um, in every movie, Sonny, they have a different motive. Right? Like, every movie, they have a different motive. Not only, like, for what, what they're doing going forward, but for why they did the initial, original sin of releasing the virus. So, like, they keep changing their story. And it's weird, right? Because it's not like they're changing their story because someone's asking them or, like, they're testifying before a jury. They're just doing it, like, internally, I guess, just because it's funny. So, <laughs> incredible. like... Right. And um, like the main CEO at some point in like a third movie turns out, oh, no, he wasn't a big one. Like the big shot was actually this one. And this one's the real boss. And like, I don't know. So
1: <laughs> I feel like when you started talking about this, I thought that you would be like, and after having watched all six movies in two days, I became an unexpected Stan. But <laughs> all you do no! is Here's talk about how you binge them and how the stupid they were.
0: Listen, they're stupid. They're full to the brim with plot holes. Um, And, like, full of one-dimensional characters. But I kind of love these movies. Because they are just mindless. Kind of like the zombies, right? They're kind of just brainless fun. Mm. Like... I, I, was, I was I was prefacing this with saying that I'm not an action fan because I was going to say that after this, I kind of like action movies. After this, I actually watch Red and Red 2. Uh, I don't know if you know about those movies, but mm-hmm. it's like action movies with all people based on a DC comic. And, and uh, Bruce Willis is in it, and so is Helen Mirren. So it's cool. Morgan Freeman. It's They're cool. And they're action movies, and they're kind of comedy. So all of a sudden, I like action. Andre is a new person. And the Resident Evil movies are stupid, but they're really fun, and you should watch them. That's
1: it. Wow. Okay. Okay. noted in terms of the wreck in terms of like what I've been doing to, um, to waste time I've been on a big tiny desk concert binge. You know those on mm. YouTube?
0: No <laughs> what is that?
1: <laughs> no totally so NPR has this thing where they'll have like up and coming musical artists come in uh, to their little studio which looks like a cute little studio with a desk which is why it's called a tiny desk concert and they just like record them playing live But they also get, like, really big artists. Um, And you basically just get to see artists playing, like, stripped-down versions of their songs using, like, whatever instruments they can bring to the Tiny Desk concert, you know? Um, So what I'll do is, like, I'll watch one. And each tends to be anywhere from, like, eight minutes to, like, 20 minutes long. Um, And then I'll watch, like, 15. (laughs) And, (laughs) And I don't watch all of them. I don't tend to but um they're really really good bts just released one and because of covid right now it's like home tiny desk concerts so you just record at home and then npr uploads it in profits i don't really know <laughs>
0: so wait um, can i just say by the way about bts i felt the same way about dynamite that i felt about taylor Swift's cardigan but i kind of actually grew on me and now i'm kind of a bts stan so wait right
1: i yeah, yeah i've Pretty Listen, I still don't I know what they're
0: saying. That. I'm, I'm like ninety percent sure it's English, but I still groove to it, <laughs> and that's not their fault. That is not their fault. I don't know. English I is like... probably a very, se- a very hard second language to learn if your native language is Korean. Oh, so. for sure.
1: I feel like 80% of the time, though, they're singing in Korean, and then they, like, insert an English word every now and then for, like, the catchphrase or something.
0: No, I meant dynamite specifically. Oh, oh gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Which, by the way, I found out it's 100% in English, so, yeah.
1: Damn, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, I, yeah so, anyway. okay, I do
1: remember hearing about that a little bit, because it was like, oh my god, they sang it all in English. That must have been so hard on them. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, they're definitely trying to capture the American market. It worked. It went number one. Um, also, uh, yeah, I like the song. Please don't cancel me, everyone. I'm just saying I couldn't understand what they were saying. But then I read the lyrics and I'm like, okay, lit. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, lame-ass generic lyrics. But that beat, though, great. So.
1: <laughs> True. My students are all like, well, not all, but a lot of my students are into um, BTS. Specifically Jungkook, it... I don't know why he gets so many fans, but
0: oh, um, I think he's the hottest one. Yeah, I actually really. Him up. See, I think um, B
1: is the hottest, like easily. I
0: um I don't know who, who that one is, but I he's the hottest one. Well, me... <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. I got it now. Um, uh, yeah. Is isn't it crazy how like globalization allowed for like music from the other Dude. side of the world to become so popular i think about like, it all the time cool.
1: and that music that comes from the other side of the world is influenced by western music uh, right s- yeah, but <laughs> yeah yeah So it's like, kind of funny yeah it's insane <laughs> they literally took it and then made it better and then said if, now let's rub it back in your faces
0: it's kind of funny because if anything yeah like we're consuming kind of like our old like recycled <laughs> it's kind of weird but yeah. like yeah.
1: Wait, you want to know like the craziest, like Lost in Translation thing ever?
0: What is it about how lol in Japanese is grass? No,
1: but it is a Japanese one. <laughs> um, it's about oh. karaoke. So you know how we so we say karaoke for like singing to to music, you know? Um, but in Japanese, it's pronounced karaoke, and it actually is supposed to be a shortened version um, of empty orchestra. Like, oke okay is supposed to be shortened for orchestra, and then kara, I forget why, but it's supposed to mean empty. So, basically, Japanese took English and butchered it and said, Empty orchestra in English, let's say karaoke in Japanese. And then we looked at the Japanese and said, Karaoke for this thing, cool, we'll call it karaoke then. And now we call it karaoke.
0: Hmm, interesting
1: yeah so Uh. you know in another world we would just call it empty orchestra i guess it's just like a mistranslation of a mistranslation huh
0: by the way can you explain the japanese lol grass thing or do you not know about it because i just learned about it from a video
1: (laughs) oh i actually don't know about it lol means grass um
0: yeah so like uh fuck i'm i'm definitely not remember this well but like um in japanese laughing out loud um is oh my god It's, like, some long-ass word, and and Japanese didn't want to write that when, like, the internet first was a thing. So they were, like... Or when the term first came about, I guess. So they were, like, how do we shorten it? And they just took... That word started with W. And so they just took, like, three Ws, and they made that lol, Mm -hmm. right? Like, ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. But three Ws looks like grass. And so eventually, instead of, like, writing a bunch of Ws, they decided to just use the word for grass, and now that means lol. So Kusa is lol. (laughs)
1: That's so funny, yeah. Yeah, Not weird. (laughs) Those kinds of things are so weird, you know.
0: Yeah, that that is pretty strange. So,
1: language is crazy. Culture is crazy. I was thinking about how like all song names now are either in all lowercase or all uppercase. Isn't that so funny? Uh,
0: how song names are?
1: Yeah, you know, like even folklore isn't it all in lowercase?
0: Oh, you mean like yeah yeah yeah. I mean I think that's just stylization. I think I think for example, like when artists have to submit their, you know, licensed recordings to like I don't know, the copyright institution or whatever. It's always like in lower caps I mean sorry, it's always in in, 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 in all caps, um, in like any stylization for example in the artist's name is removed so like if, if you know when kesha used to do that back in the day when she still had the money sign in her name whenever she actually did any, any like official documents for copywriting her music with these you know official institutions she would remove that like stylization mm-hmm. is like for actual official documents like that gets removed so it's all still normal but yeah it is weird how that took over like i don't know the, like the music world like and it's cool and hip on instagram to like write things in lower caps totally, um,
1: totally. i'm a big i'm a big fan i write everything lowercase now
0: wow okay what a hipster it's kind of like how we used to back in the day i don't know if you use a messenger chat like msn like I, I i was i was on there i was hotmail live <laughs> msn chat when i was like 12 uh like misspelling things was hip um yeah I, yeah yeah, you might be too young because you are 11, but uh, back in the day, uh, the old people, the boomers like me, we, um, we would misspell things on purpose, and that was supposed to be cool. And we would use XD unironically.
1: Oh, for sure. I definitely remember yeah, a so. lot of XD. Um, yeah, and, you know, God forbid that you spell out the word before, you know?
0: Yeah, So uh, precisely. So now that everyone's clocked my age, uh, we can return to, the, to today's topic. Um, Which is, (laughs) we're talking about, actually, actually, Sunny, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm gonna rename this. I don't know if I'm actually gonna name it like this on the actual, like, like, sites. But I will say, today's topic is actually about vile vortices. And this is why. In my research, I found out that vile vortices, there are 12 of these on Earth. And people are like, "What the fuck is that?" We're talking about the Bermuda Triangle today, and we're talking about the Devil Sea in Japan, and uh, that's just what we thought we were, what I thought we were gonna talk about, and it is what we're gonna talk about. But my point is that, like, I figured out this is actually part of a larger thing that is called the Twelve Vile Vortices. Apparently, there's twelve of these fucking spots, just like the ones we're gonna talk about in the world, Dude, and we're why only gonna talk about two. Too?
1: That's such a like ordained number, you know
0: right no 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 forget about that dude forget about that um, not only is it a weird number they're evenly spread so they actually form an icosahedron i don't know if you know what that looks like but no it's like this polyhedron way. with 20 faces yeah yeah dude, I hate yeah
1: being alive what does that mean
0: <laughs> what i mean it means something right cuz that's spooky that's spooky um, so yeah when you these the way they're distributed um, actually, they're, they're, again, so they're evenly distributed across the world. Not only that, but they exist only on two tropics, the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn. And they form, uh, this 20-phase polyhedron when you look at a globe of the world. So, yeah, interesting shit. Anyway, so these file vortices, there's 12 of them, and today we're talking about two of them. Sunny, what do you have?
1: All right, so... I mean, I have the Bermuda Triangle, I guess. More like the Bermuda Triangle has, you know, hundreds of planes and ships buried deep in, deep within. Um, yep. But the Bermuda Triangle is a triangle in the Atlantic Ocean, which means it's that eastern ocean uh, in comparison to the United States. And mm-hmm. it's a triangle between Miami, Florida, which is right at the bottom tip of Florida, Bermuda, the island, which is like northeast of there, if you go pretty far out into the sea, mainly east. And then um, Puerto Rico, which is south of that. So it's kind of like a triangle where Florida's on the left, you've got Bermuda on the right, and then Puerto Rico on the bottom. And Puerto if... Rico,
0: which is, by the way, mm-hmm. still not the 51st state of the United States, which is wrong. But anyway, continue.
1: True. T. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have that be our 18-minute intro next time. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so the Bermuda Triangle has basically attracted a lot of attention. Um, and one of the reasons for that is that it has been shown that when you're in the Bermuda Triangle, usually if you have a compass, um, it is showing you the way based on magnetic pole. So the North Pole will pull it, you know, and then it shows you true north or whatever, and that's your compass. Um, that said though, the poles are moving. So, where the North Pole is, like, right now, isn't actually, like, true north on the Earth. Like, you know, your compass is not pointing you directly up the Earth. It is pointing you towards the North Pole. Um, And the poles are moving, and that's a whole, like, science, geology thing. Um, But, in the Bermuda Triangle, and I'm pretty sure in the Devil's Sea, too, the Japan area, um, if you have a compass, instead of pointing towards magnetic north, it will point true north. Which can really fuck people up, um, mm.
0: and yeah, it's true.
1: I tried to look up like why that happens, and I think it's just one of those questions that I don't. I mean, I didn't really come up with anything that was a very clear answer in terms of why it does that. But I think that is so. First of all, just interesting and spooky. Um, so yes, mm-hmm. so that can definitely throw people off. But in terms of how it became so infamous um there are basically a lot of incidents of things disappearing in it so i'll go ahead and name a couple of the most famous ones and then we'll talk about the article that came out that made the bermuda triangle a thing which didn't come out it came out in 1964 somehow to me the bermuda triangle feels so like it would have existed since the 1800s you know what i mean like it seems like such a household name i would have expected it to be older um, but it was, for, well, but, I
0: mean, hmm. people probably called it something else, but, but they, they just didn't call it that, but yeah, it was probably around for a long time. I mean, sailors are probably like be wary of this place for a long time. Yeah.
1: You would think, you would think, um, but yeah, so it was, uh, the term at least was coined in 1964, but in terms of spooky, spooky happenings, um, one of the earlier things that's recorded is that in 1918, there was a, a naval vessel called the USS Cyclops, which is just a sick name, first of all. Mm-hmm. Who knew that in 1918, <laughs> people were styling enough to call a, a ship a Cyclops, you know? <laughs> um, and basically, it was supposed to sail um, to Brazil and Barbados, um, but after leaving Barbados, the ship and the men on it, there were 309 men who were never seen or heard from again. Um, so... Basically, they searched the ocean, um, and they didn't find anything, not even an oil slick. Eventually, of course, it was declared that they were lost, um, and they were never seen again. And this is actually, like, the biggest loss. uh, I think it's, like, the biggest non-military loss that the the U.S. had recorded at that time. So, uh, among its navy. So, 300 people on this gigantic 540-foot vessel. Um that was really important, (laughs) called the Cyclops because it's a ginormous (laughs) monster, um, just completely disappears. And in terms of, I'll play the skeptic here, in terms of how it might be explained, um, there's actually a descendant of one of the people who was lost on the ship, Marvin Barash, who has done some research on why it might have happened the way it did. And he believes that it might have happened because there was an unbalanced, very heavy load, some engine breakdowns, and a big wave that might have sent the the ship to the bottom of the Puerto Rico trench. And the Puerto Rico Puerto Rico trench is the deepest part of the Atlantic Sea, which would be why we haven't found the ship. So that's kind of your um your skeptics take. And I also think um oh yeah, just in terms of part of why the Bermuda Triangle is so like scary, is that there are huge waves and um basically like sea tornadoes. Do you know that scene from um The Little Mermaid? Where Ursula is like huge, and she concocts this like, um, well, wor- like, gigi- fat
0: shaming. Excuse me. <laughs> but yeah, I know the scene. This wow.
1: ginormous whirlpool, you know, and she's super scary. So like, those just happen in the Bermuda Triangle, and they actually um, go upwards. So that it's like a tornado of water is coming out of the water, out of a whirlpool. It's a really cool visual. I wish I could show you the photo, but um, but those happen in in the Bermuda Triangle.
0: Um, Wow, that's just insane to me that, like... (sighs) Like, why do some parts of the ocean just have sinks? You know what I mean? Like, sinkholes, basically, like... Yeah.
1: And and why is it... I mean, part of what I think makes the area so dangerous is that that's the area where hurricanes come through and stuff, you know? If you've ever Mm -hmm. lived in the South, you know that hurricane season comes each year, and hurricanes always pass through that area. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's a really treacherous part of the sea essentially, Um, but actually what gained the Bermuda Triangle um, a lot of fame was an event in 1945, and that's the story of Flight 19, which is the best-known Bermuda Triangle story. Um, So this is in 1945, and it was supposed to be a very basic exercise that they had done several times. That said, though, basically, they had a lead pilot, Charles Taylor. And from what I'm understanding, Charles Taylor was the lead, and he was a veteran, actually a World War II veteran, who was highly experienced. But that day, he had requested um, not to fly at first. We don't know why. And his request was rejected, so he had to fly. And he was surrounded by less experienced pilots. So part, part of the way through the flight, he basically starts to say, like, Oh my god, I think our I think our compass is fucked up. I don't think we're going the right direction. We're lost. We need to change direction. And he starts having them change direction. But the thing is, when you're like way out at sea, you've got to kind of pick a way, you know? You can say like, let's go back and let's just go east. You can say, like, let's just go west, let's just go like northeast, and you'll eventually hit somewhere. But from the sounds of it, it was like he had picked away and then changed his mind, and then uh the co pilots had said they wanted a different way. And um, most people who are, again, like thinking of it skeptically just think that he ran out of fuel and dropped into the ocean. Uh, but r- what really makes it sp- spooky is that, first of all, he called in and said to whoever he called into, you know, uh, I'm not really sure where we are. Um, it looks like we're entering whitewater. We're completely lost. And of course, within minutes of that call, um, a seaplane was sent out with a 13 man crew to their, to the last known position of the plane. Um, and then the search crew disappeared as well. 13 people gone. Um, yeah. So (laughs) the most interesting part I think of, of this is that (laughs) part of the explanation given for the search plane disappearing is that apparently there was a search ship that witnessed it in the sky that saw it explode in the sky and it said that the sea was really rough that day so you wouldn't have been able to find any traces of it but I'm just not sure why a search ship would explode in the sky like, I, I think that's not explored enough um,
0: yeah. <laughs> but, um,
1: yeah so we have this missing flight with a veteran pilot and then we have the search flight sent out after it which also either disappears or explodes midair, which I think is equally spooky and strange. Um, yeah, and the thing is that this is a flight that he had done several times before this pilot, so I don't know. It just seems weird for him to lose his bearings that much and to... I, and the thing is with this, I don't know if it's something very spooky. Like, definitely, there's definitely conjecture about, like, is it aliens is it some kind of uh, kidnapping or a portal thing um but even if it's not that even if it's just like people getting that lost um that's still really spooky like why is there a part of earth that is that difficult to navigate shouldn't you still be able to see the sun and stuff and like you know i don't know right so
0: i mean (sighs) i mean there's a number of things people have come up with that are not paranormal to explain why some parts of the ocean are so hard to navigate none of them super duper convinced me because not not like not any of them by themselves explain all of the occurrences or the or the factors and i you know i have a hard time being like well maybe it's both of them at the same time because it's like uh, i don't know kind of like when we were talking about missing 411 like i i yeah. know i don't think it's like a cryptid and also the aliens at the same time like they're collabing no So people say methane gas. People say um, uh, Andresi volcanoes. Yep. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know, though, and I don't I don't super buy that.
1: Yeah. I mean, and there's just a lot of disappearances reported. Um, But interestingly, again, on the skeptic side, Lloyds of London, which is an insurance market, does not evaluate the Bermuda Triangle to be any more dangerous than another part of the sea. So, there are actually skeptics who who argue that Bermuda Triangle, while there are a lot of recorded disappearances, is not necessarily more uh, dangerous because, you know, if an insurance company says it's not that dangerous, they're certainly looking out for their own best interests. If they were to evaluate uh, the Bermuda Triangle as being more dangerous, they would charge people more if they flew through that area, which they don't.
0: Well, maybe the Triangle features the same number of disappearances that any other part of the ocean would but what is really strange about it is maybe not necessarily how dangerous it is but how mysterious it is like aren't there a number of ships that have disappeared there and not just stayed disappeared but like have come up in other parts of the world years or decades later with no crew but the ships aren't in like derelict condition so like you you should be able to see some like bodies Mm. in this previously sunken ship like where like why is the ship only just a little bit fucked up and also literally no one nobody's like what what happened where's everyone why is this what (laughs) so and why is the ship so far away from where it first was i mean i guess ocean currents yeah sure whatever but like what it just it feels weird it's odd and it's also not like oh well maybe everyone escaped and they're uh safe uh and they're alive no like (laughs) anyway i have info but that's that's what's That's what has made the Bermuda Triangle really famous, I think. The circumstances around the disappearances Mm. of
1: its Mm. ships
0: and planes and whatever.
1: Totally. There's also some, like, historical context. Um, So this came up a couple of times. But actually, um, when Christopher Columbus sailed through um, the waters near Bermuda in 1492, he recorded a UFO sighting. So the land was... Yeah, so the admiral at 10 o'clock that evening standing on the quarterdeck saw a light, but so small a body that he could not affirm it to be land. So calling to someone else, he told him that he saw a light and told him to look that way, which he did, and also saw the light. So it's two people who just see this spooky light, appearing like the light of a wax candle moving up and down, which some thought was an indication of land, um, but it, it turned out not to be land. So.
0: bra. Wow. What do you think medieval aliens were like? You think where they're like,
1: <laughs> Can you imagine if like... Thou they're... shall
0: come into this spaceship. What?
1: <laughs> That's such a funny thing to think about. Like, how much have aliens developed in the time that we have developed?
0: I mean, you know, assuming they're just like super smart humans basically or what I actually think them to be sometimes which is future humans you know why would they you know I'm sure they would develop too with time and like 500 years is a long time I'm sure there's I'm sure they weren't as advanced then as they are now and isn't that kind of weird to think about like as aliens of just kind of another population of entities not necessarily something you know spooky or ghost like totally. just kind of you know but the thing just is people. like what
1: if time just operated completely differently for them, you know? Mm, what if they were the equivalent I mean, of, like, orcas? I, or, like, I don't know, just, like, beings that live for a really long time who, like, move much more slowly. Or maybe they have, like, a far shorter lifespan than us. I
0: like, mean, it could be that time operates differently for them. I, I think if that were the case, it would be because they figured out some kind of mechanism or device to 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 experience time differently. not Not because, oh naturally where they live or whatever time just works differently like I don't know about that well I just feel um, like time is
1: such a comparative thing that like yeah. what if you had aliens that have like a 1000 year lifespan but their like cognitive speed is just much lower than ours so like maybe they maybe a conversation for them takes a day you know like
0: Damn. ugh me when I pull an all-nighter yeah <laughs>
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> Me this very minute. Us every week making these conversations <laughs> take an entire day.
0: Ah oh, man. Um, I mean, yeah. I know. I know what you're saying. I think especially if if we're talking about interdimensional beings and not just oh they're all hiding uh, in Mars, um, then yeah, it's it feels more likely that that time would work for it differently for them because we literally have no idea what. What goings on there are, in other dimensions. So, you know,
1: it's all possible.
0: Yeah. So, and you
1: know, if they live in a simulation, that's a little different from ours, where like things are just spread up a bit.
0: (laughs) Dude, if they're living in a simulation, we're all fucked. Like, no one can save us because even if the aliens, if the super smart, superior aliens are also living in a simulation, instead of them being the ones implementing the simulation then literally who is the superior like who is the controller who (laughs) is who made it who made the simulation i feel
1: like there could also be really stupid aliens or i don't know i feel like we always just assume that there will be these aliens that find us and are like more advanced but what if they're just Mm -hmm. aliens that are like cavemen i don't know or maybe i
0: think there's probably multiple forms of aliens in multiple places i mean the universe is (laughs) <laughs> not infinite, I shouldn't say that, but it is giganormous, right? And so I I mean probably not within reach of us, but yeah, there probably are multiple forms of aliens in multiple places, probably a shit ton of them. And I think I I think, I think, Sunny, that the ones that are closest to us or visit us, whatever it is, um, Look like close encounters of the third kind, gray aliens, kind of shit, right? Because I feel like if this is so deep in our side guys, it's only because we have told stories about creatures like this for fucking centuries. So I'm just gonna go with that and say if aliens exist, which I wholeheartedly believe they do, and they do visit us, they probably look like that and they're very smart, whatever. However, I also think as Stephen Hawking talked about this before he died, he was like, I mean, yeah, but also there probably are creatures, you know. With life in other places, um, but they're like bacteria or goo-like creatures, fucking coral-like creatures. Maybe they're algae. Maybe they're you know like mm. yeah, stupid. So, um, so there you go. Like maybe ten ten million light years away on a planet, there's like a shit ton of of algae, and that's life. So maybe they have eyes though, and they're they're weird.
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> i love this so speaking of aliens and yeah. space um one of the theories about the bermuda triangle is that it has a wormhole um which would be why things just seem to disappear and end up elsewhere um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then oh the name for like the water tornado i was thinking of earlier is called a water spout And they look insane. It's literally like a water tornado coming out of a whirlpool. It's so nuts. Oh my gosh. The idea of like... Can you imagine sailing and then you see like a sea tornado ahead of you? Like what do you even... What do That's insane. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Like you mentioned, some folks have theorized about methane gas. Um, Like whether there could be gas blow-ups that cause, you know, lots of problems. And basically, cause ships to sink. Um, one theory is that it is a hole in the planet's electromagnetic forces. So this is this connects to the compass theory, which is what makes it one of the more interesting theories to me. But um, because compasses point true north rather than than magnetic north. Also, isn't it just weird that anything would point true north, like? Anyways, maybe yeah, but, there's some science behind it, but like what would pull it to true north? Like I
0: I I think that is very weird. I think when you said that I was kind of freaked out because I mean <laughs> don't compasses work solely on magnetism? Am I incorrect? Yeah. So right. Yeah, so we're on the same page. Yeah, so that is that is spooky. I mean <laughs> I don't know what to say.
1: <laughs> it's super weird. Yeah. So, it could just be that this is, like, a place where electromagnetic forces in general have no effect, which I'm sure would cause lots of other weird things to happen that would also um, cause disaster. Um, But what are the
0: chances that that has no effect, that electromagnetism has no effect in these areas, but the compass would still point to true north? Like, what are the chances of that?
1: Well, that's the thing. If it has no effect, then the compass pointing to true north just has to be happening for another reason entirely. Well, also, the Mm -hmm. True North doesn't isn't, like, a magnetic pull. That's the whole thing. Like, what is causing that if not magnetism? Because a magnetism wouldn't pull it to True North. It would pull it to the the North Pole. Um, I'm so spooked. Ah, okay. Um, But yes, so those are some theories. And the last theory, but not least, I think this one is really fun is that the Bermuda Triangle is actually where Atlantis is located.
0: <laughs> mm, I, I actually, I think it's the first theory about this I heard ever when I was like six or
1: something. Really? So, I yeah. had not oh, yeah. heard about it until I did research. Um, so yeah, the idea is that Atlantis is this kind of ancient, ultra-advanced civilization, and maybe they're using so much energy down there that it's like causing issues in the sea that causes it to sink ships. Or, I mean, you know, if we're going for the ultra-advanced civilization theory, then I would just say, like, who's to say they're not just grabbing ships to do experiments and stuff? But that's just, like, total conjecture for
0: fun. Yeah, I mean, not experiments, but more, like, maybe just archiving in their museums. Like, look at this unadvanced human invention. Like, now we have, I don't know, Uber ship. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe in the 50s, they were like, look at this shit. So... (laughs) Maybe the Atlant... What is it? Atlanteans? I don't know. Maybe they are... Yeah, I mean, maybe they're stealing our shit. Totally. Now, as far as your electromagnetic theory, it's really interesting you bring that up, because the vile vortices theory, I guess I should call it, um, actually speaks on these places existing precisely because of that. Um, the research that I found on it explains that these areas, the vile vortices, um, uh, occur they're actually naturally occurring anomalies due to the planet's natural electromagnetic fields being stronger in these parts than anywhere else in the world. So, okay, but, like, the fact that it is naturally occurring and it would still form this 20-phase polyhedron is still pretty spooky, right? I mean, that's kind of odd. And if it's stronger than
1: anywhere else, then why would the compass point true north instead of magnetic north? I don't know, yeah. Right. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so very, very, very strange. Um so interesting that you brought that up because that's basically what the Vile vortices theory talks about it's like these places exist where they exist because electromagnetic shit is weird in these places and like okay i can understand that but then when you look at them out but the places i'm really weirded out that they are so evenly spaced so anyway (laughs)
1: yeah well this is so weird because it's like the stuff like that this where it's like it's evenly spaced natural phenomenon at that point it's like what are you pointing at like god you know it's like Right. Why would it be this way?
0: Mm. No, I mean, if anything, that that just takes me back to aliens even more. Like maybe these these assumed and naturally occurring, you know, places are actually placed where they are placed to form this polyhedron, and maybe there's some kind of weird system the aliens just install on our planet. Because they want to, I don't know, see something happen, measure something, do something. I don't know. I mean, obviously that sounds cuckoo, but my point is, it seems purposeful, right? So, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but there's not a lot of... <laughs> I don't know about you, but 20-phase polyhedrons don't occur a lot in nature, so...
1: <laughs> no, totally. Well, you know what's interesting? This reminds me of... Have you ever heard of, like, Argument for Intelligent Design?
0: yeah oh totally yeah.
1: yeah so it's just interesting and it's then i like... look
0: at my dogs and i'm like Mm-mm, no absolutely not no <laughs> <laughs> these animals were not intelligently designed. one of them looks its own balls the other one eats its shit like no
1: <laughs> that's probably how god looks at us i'm just kidding <laughs> 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 um but yeah it's just interesting it's this whole like segment of science that's dedicated to like looking at our world and basically saying isn't this too insanely well aligned and like doesn't it just exist in too interesting of a way for this not to have been made by some entity?
0: I think that I'd have to look at examples of what these researchers are looking at as far as instances of really intelligent design. But like, for example, sometimes I'll see like, I don't know, Christian girl 49 too on Instagram being like these mountains in the Himalayas or whatever that I traveled to are so beautiful and look at this view and it's impossible for this to have been naturally occurring and it's like a a, a beautiful landscape but it's all like weird asymmetrical non-geometrical at all super like jarred right Mm -hmm. so it's like i mean no i mean it is possible i think we just we just kind of think of this as so divinely beautiful because we're humans and (laughs) we're biased (laughs) (laughs) yeah and 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 we're used to seeing just regular ass shit so when you go somewhere like this you're like oh my god this must have a divine touch to it when in reality the fact is just you live in a gray-ass city and you never see nature right so
1: yeah and you know okay you know what this reminds me of i hate to say it it reminds me of arguments for us living in a simulation (laughs) because people are like look at our laws of nature They, like, work too well and too much, like, computer code and too, like, arbitrarily for this, like, like, this could have actually just been someone coding this. Um, Right. It's very much the same idea. Very interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And actually, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, so I'll actually tell you something really interesting, which is that I don't actually really believe in that. Like, I think that Hmm. the episodes that we've made on it are really interesting and they, they... I mean, they speak to they speak to a belief that some people have, which is really interesting. Why they have it, and we explore that. Mm. However, I I don't know. I've 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 sat a couple of nights thinking about it because I guess I have nothing better to do. And when I when I really think about it, it's like two things come to mind, right? One, I mean, one I don't believe in it because aside from like weird glitch videos that I see on YouTube that are like, oh my god, did that. This car came out of nowhere. Look at this footage. Like, that is pretty spooky and weird. But besides that, I I think, like, I don't know. Um, Everything in life feels pretty consequential to me, at least from my own limited personal experience. You know, very anecdotal. Everything seems pretty consequential. Everything has a pretty clear cause and effect to me. I've never experienced a glitch in person. Like I said, I've only seen videos. So it's probably all real life and we're not living in a simulation. However. No, um, I would actually
1: agree. Because I'm also like, here's the thing why would anyone choose to make a consciousness that's this much of a sad hoe? You know what I mean? I'm like, why (laughs) would you make me? Like, what purpose could I possibly serve some, like, simulation making? You know what I mean? I I mean, like, you know, you could just make a sim for me that does all the things that I do without having my consciousness. You know, I I feel like I'm too confident in my own consciousness to believe it. But yeah.
0: To be fair, when we talk about the simulation, when we talk about this in our, in our, in our previous episode, you got to remember that an argument for that actually was um, that it's not even done on purpose. It's just that the technology that the future humans use to make the simulations is so advanced that automatically, like the NPCs that are created are super sentient and have Complex consciousness the way we current humans do. So if anything, you know that's I mean PC to
1: that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so if anything, your argument is completely explained away by that. So I mean, to be fair to the simulation theory, there's that, but also and here's the other thing I was gonna say, like, okay, so maybe I'm completely wrong. But the thing I always come back to is even if I'm wrong and I'm living in a simulation, and this is something my boyfriend says to me a lot whenever I bring this up to him. He's like, so what? <laughs> what can you do about it? Who cares? Can you even escape? How could? How does that change your life at all, right? Because like, if you what can't escape, pillar. which the assumption...
1: Just kidding. I it's forget true. which, which pillow is which,
0: but... <laughs> it's, I think it's a red pillar, I'm Sunny. <laughs> if the assumption is that you can't escape, right? Which it seems to be generally what that is. Then how does believing that you're in a simulation like how does that benefit you right if anything don't believe that you're in a simulation yeah believe that you're in base reality and just fucking live your life your little npc life
1: i also feel like it's very i don't know it's just like weirdly self-centered i just don't see i don't know man our world just doesn't isn't like cool enough or purposeful enough for me to believe that it's a simulation but um thinking about. But
0: again, Sunny, you're attributing purpose to why things in this allegedly simulated world are the way that they are. Like, why would anyone want to design such a sad ho? Well, again, the maybe thing. the simulation is randomly generated.
1: Here's the thing. What if... I just think, also, if you're that advanced of a civilization, you probably have more advanced ethics. Like, I think that a civilization on this, that yeah. <laughs> advanced would also recognize, like, there's no reason for us to create consciousness that's just gonna, like... Waste away in a simulation, you know, like we'll we'll just like make what we need to make, and I don't think they would like need to make me.
0: I think that's the best rebuttal to to the argument that I make, which is oh well, just randomly generate it, and you you know, and you're saying well no, you know, advanced ethics, um like humans wouldn't wouldn't do that because that's unethical. But then the rebuttal to that is it's not unethical because. One, you don't know that you are limited, right? Because you don't know that you're in a simulation. And number two, it's not like you waste away. I mean, you live a good life. I don't so, know, but the thing it's... is,
1: what if we do know? We've got Elon Musk out here. You know, I how is he supposed to raise know... X-Ray 23 knowing that we live in a simulation?
0: I think the day Elon Musk comes out on Twitter and it's like, I have proof we live in a simulation. Here it is. Post it like WikiLeaks style. The aliens are gonna like shut the simulation off. They're like, okay. Well, that's ho-. we got our answer. That's Everything how long it took for wild. them to figure out they were in a simulation.
1: That's so funny. And the whole purpose was just to see how long it would take for us to figure. Yeah.
0: That. And if anything, to us, right, the simulation was what four billion years, and to them, it was like four milliseconds. So that's very
1: like, uh, what's the word? Inception. That's a very inception yeah. thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, now let me touch on the Devil Sea real quick. Yes. So, the Devil Sea is another of the um, 12 vile vortices, which is like a very Disney term, I feel like. But anyway, they're evil. Uh, another place where electromagnetic energy is really fucked up. And here's what I have to say about it. So, the Devil Sea uh, is located near to the Japanese coast, it's in the Pacific Ocean. And it is called uh, Manu Umi by the Japanese, uh, which means that actually like something devilish, not not directly, not literally translated as a devil's sea, but something close. So, again, one of the 12 vial vortices and the electromagnetic pull of this place is stronger than other places. That's why it's special, according to this theory. And um, the Dragon's Triangle, or the Devil's Sea as it's called, extends um, between Japan and the islands of Bonin and includes a major portion of the Philippine Sea. So there's your geography. Now, um, this place... Shit ton of ships have gone missing in here. This 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 article also talks about the same thing you talked about, like whirlpools, kind of like sea tornadoes, mm. basically just like sucking things into the infinite abyss. Dude, so like, that's fun.
1: That's like right. That's d- like quicksand just, water, you know.
0: Dude, I'm already afraid of the ocean. Like, I'm already. I I mean, like. Kind of love the beach. You know, we'll swim in it for a while. If I go, like, too into the sea, though, while I'm at the beach, and by that I mean, like, I don't know, a couple of steps. I'm like, sharks, danger, kraken, <laughs> I'm going to die. Dude, I can't. By, the time we're, so, by the time
1: we're at episode 100, you won't be able to camp or, like, sail or go to the Or, the yeah, sea. go to the beach, yeah. sail,
0: nothing. Yeah, like, nothing. go outside. You won't be
1: able to look in a mirror because you'll think that it's a portal. Like, too many things. <laughs>
0: I mean, listen, we've already done 77 episodes of this. Like, I'm already, like, a different person, trust me. Um, Closet door closed at all times. We'll only look at the mirror for so long. We'll never go around on nodding. Never drive at night in a weird foresty area. Listen, like, half of the things I used to do back when I lived back north, like, I won't do anymore. Camping canceled. Yeah, so... Now, um, it is said... That okay, so uh, on to the notable events of this place, which are really really spooky. It is said that the conqueror Kublai Khan, the fifth great Khan of the Mongol Empire and the grandson of Genghis Khan, had tried to make inroads into Japan in 1274 and 1281. However, yes. On both attempts, he failed to invade the country after losing his vessels and 40,000 crew members aboard in this triangular area reportedly due to typhoons. Very convenient. Maybe the Japanese created this. Dude. And with like black magic or some shit a thousand years ago, they're like, this is our defense mechanism to invaders.
1: Dude, that actually connects to a really cool historical, um, like just some really cool historical stuff that one of my Japanese professors talked to me about where um, you know the phrase kamikaze for people in yeah, after yeah, yeah. Yeah, World War II, which, of course, was super controversial and terrible. Um, but that phrase actually means God's wind. Like, kami is, like, a god, and then kaze is wind. So mm-hmm. in those invasions in the 1200s and the 1400s, when the Mongol Empire came in and whatnot, they were super strong, and Japan, like, really couldn't take them. But I think they came in during the wrong season both times. Um, but... Or yeah, I mean I guess we'll be talking about what happened. But there's will
0: see debunked, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but their ships got um got sunk, of course, and the and Japanese people would say it's kamikaze, like it's God's wind that's like on our side, you know? And so in World War Two when people were using that phrase, they used it on themselves to say, like, we will be God's wind and like try to protect Japan. So it's actually I feel like it gives some nice historical context to the phrase which has taken on such a like negative connotation in like in English use I guess. Um hmm. but yeah, that I, I always thought that was super interesting. So yeah, that seems to be such a big part of like the history um those failed Mongol invasions. But yeah.
0: Interesting. Um well, welcome to Etymology Talk episode 1. Um <laughs> <laughs> No. So as Kublai Khan and his army abandoned the plan to invade Japan, the Japanese believe that it's the god who sent the typhoons to save them from the enemies. Yes. So very related here. Later, strengthening the truth behind the legend, uh, the divers and marine archaeologists um, that have gone into this place have found the remaining of the Mongol fleets from the region. So I just I don't know, spooky. Okay. Now, something else. Um, another story that does the rounds a lot about this place is that there's the sighting of a mysterious lady sailing a vessel in the Devil Sea. Um, this is back in the early 1800s. So it is said that the vessel resembled the traditional Japanese equipment for burning incense. However, the destination and the identity of the vessel is still a mystery. So spooky spooky. Mm. Um, uh, something else pretty spooks about this place is uh, in the later century, especially in the 1940s and 50s, According to this, um, a number of fishing vessels and over five military vessels disappeared in the sea uh, oh, in an shit. area. The lies, yeah, that's a shit ton of things. Yeah, in I an area saying, it's that lies,
1: time, Japan. You've been colonizing for too long.
0: <laughs> Korea and China said, "Whoa, yeah." So, <laughs> um, in an area that lies between Miyake Island and Iwo Jima. Uh, and as a result, Japan sent research ships uh, named uh, Kayomaru number no. 5 uh, and Kayomaru No. 4 in 1952 to investigate about the previously missing vessels that had been reported to gone missing in this place. Uh, however, the research vessels, uh, with 31 crew members uh, aboard... Uh, met the same destiny of their previous vessels. So basically, <laughs> the research teams um, that went to research why these ships had disappeared also disappeared. This is like the so, rescue team.
1: Dude, it is so spooky. Basically. What?
0: Yeah, that is spooky. Um, this is like so a, scene the wreck out of a of
1: movie. F- sorry, sorry, yeah.
0: No, no, that's no, it's okay. It is, it is pretty insane. So, the wreck of the Kayamaru number no. 5, which was one of the um, recovery ships, was recovered later, but the whereabouts of the crew members were never heard of again. And, again, there were no bodies found around where the ship was found under the water. Uh, it's just bizarre. Because, like, here's the thing, right? I understand ship sinking. Ship sink, okay. But where did all those men go? Like, cause if they... Okay. They either survived, which they didn't, because... They were never seen again, or okay, they sunk with the ship. But like every other fucking sunken ship, you find bodies in the ship. These sunken ships in areas like the Bermuda Triangle, the Devil's Sea, the twelve other vortices that, are, oh, the ten others that I'm going to talk about in a second. Like the bodies are not found; it's only the wreckage, yeah. right? So Plus,
1: wouldn't you expect the bodies to wash up on shore eventually? You know where like they're coming, mm.
0: right? And they don't do that. So, what kind of kraken is eating these, st- <laughs> these men and, like, leaving this ship? You know what I mean? Like, that's it's what the I think spider
1: of. woman that we brought up. Japan's greatest cryptid.
0: Now, something that I've thought of, too. Completely just a cuckoo thought. I didn't read this anywhere. It's just, what if? Because I love this movie. That's why I thought about this. What if the 12 vortices are places where, like, you can get sucked into the center of the earth. And that's where all these people are living, thriving. Um, Jules Verne was, was right. <laughs> oh, shit. So... <laughs> I don't know. I love that movie. That's all I'll say. And they kind of like get there by like uh, their, their ship sinks or some shit. So that's why I thought about that. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, Hollow Earth Theory. Hello. So... Yeah. So Never Found. Uh, and then after this, Japan was like you know what? We're gonna stop researching this. Too bad. They died. So... <laughs>
1: Japan said, let's <laughs> cut our losses.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, now, as far as the origin of the Devil Sea kind of extrasensory myth, um, the term dragon in the Devil's Sea, uh, which some people call the dragon's um, uh, triangle. So, so, okay. So, I call it the Devil's Sea. Some people call it the Devil's Triangle. Some people call it the Dragon's Triangle because um, of the original Japanese term mana-umi, which I guess relates to dragons. So, anyway, the term dragon in the Devil's Sea originates from the Chinese fable about dragons existing below the water surface. And according to these fables, the dragons under the sea would attack vessels passing by to satiate their hunger. Sounds a lot to me like krakens, but okay. Mm -hmm. Because I don't believe in dragons, but I believe in, I don't know, other creatures. So these fables have originated... They had originated before um uh, 1000 bc so a long ass time the chinese were like ooh. so uh with their emphasis on the presence of mythical creatures like dragons obviously these fables made a huge impact on this area and people were like maybe it's dragons maybe it's things maybe it's just the devil let's never go here <laughs> so um I, I don't know i just think that's super interesting um yeah but i again, mean you know
1: what When we did our last cryptid episode, what I do believe Japan, at least at one point, had is just a huge, huge fucking squid. Like a 100 foot long squid. So that really, that could have done some mad damage if it was looking to pull down some ships.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as, like, skeptical explanations for this, um, there's a lot of talk of subsea volcanoes because apparently like eruptions from these volcanoes could initiate accidents which would substantiate the claims of like dragons sucking in ships meaning like these undersea volcanoes maybe cause whirlpools and sucking things uh mm. but again um things disappearing in, in in these places and then appearing in other places very far away with no crew is really strange um so yeah
1: like why that are the crew sense? disappearing what wants Not the only... crew here what <laughs>
0: I, I, right <laughs> exactly it seems intentional <sighs> so
1: indeed i feel like we've become investigators
0: as, oh for sure are you kidding me i'm invested in this so as far as the 10 other um vortices in the tropic of cancer the four uh the three others are ad mohenjo daro which is near Africa, then Hamakulia in Hawaii, and the megalithic ruins of Algeria. So what you'll notice is they, these are not all ocean spaces. They're just places that can e- they could even be on land where electromagnetic energy is really concentrated and really strong. And they, people like have mapped this, and that's how they come to this 20-phase polyhedron. But no, they're not all ocean spaces that suck in things. Only some of them are. Interesting. um
1: interesting what happens on the land ones i feel like we'll have the to same
0: thing. the same well your compasses do the same thing i can tell you that's one thing that oh happens, yeah i, so they, I feel start... like i saw
1: something mentioned that the gobi desert also really fucks with compasses i don't know if that's one of them that, but
0: i'm that, i don't well i'm I'll, to be frank i might be close to that but i could be yeah maybe i got it wrong i didn't look into that one but um but uh, if it is close to the Gobi Desert, then that speaks to what you're saying, but I'm not going to say it is. So there's also on the topic of Capricorn, there's five. There's the South Atlantic Anomaly, which that one is an ocean thing. There's the Megalith of Zimbabwe, which is like a uh, place, ruins, rocks, the Wharton Basin. And then there's the Hebrides Trench, which is in the Fiji Islands, so again in the Pacific. And then there's the Easter Islands. The Easter Islands are in the Pacific, am I mistaken?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I have no idea.
0: I think so. Um, that's but so anyway. interesting that
1: Easter Island is also one of those. Because I feel like, isn't that place supposed to be spook and have some, like, unexplained stuff going on?
0: Right. So isn't it weird that it's one of the spots? It's in, um, it's in, uh, fuck, uh, Polynesia. Yeah, um, you know what, so interesting. Because
1: sure. yeah. Bermuda has also been connected with spook stuff a long time, like, as an island, before... The Bermuda Triangle, specifically, was recorded as a thing. So.
0: Right. So the reason I mention, like, I was like, "Oh, it's in the Pacific." Is it not? Is because I'm just thinking, like, I don't know, Pacific Rim shit. I don't think this actually lines up. I mean, it definitely. I mean, it does for some, but definitely not for all of them. Obviously, because they're spread around the world. That's why it ends up being a polyhedron. But it is interesting that like some of them do line up close to the Pacific Rim. Uh, that is strange. So spooky 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 i don't know i'm kind of just trying to like pull things out of my ass to like see what could like fit with this because i'm so shook by this i I, like especially the 12 vile vortices thing like i had no idea this was a thing before today so
1: it is super interesting (laughs) yeah it's not like it feels like something because it's about like the very makeup of the world It feels a lot more like we would have to come up with a very all-encompassing theory. Like, it's not just like, oh, the ghosts made the vortices, you know? Um, Yeah,
0: (laughs) exactly. (laughs) The ghost of the Pacific. No, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's strange. I'm kind of interested in covering, um, in, in a future episode some more of these vortices because they are bizarre. Um, maybe we'll end up making some connections if we do, but, um... Yeah, other than that, that's all I have. I'm
1: interested as well. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much all for me as well then.
0: Yeah, so that's our episode, everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in um if you were spooked like this episode hated it loved it please let us know by dming us at TalkScary on twitter and instagram uh or at Scarytalk on our facebook page remember that you can listen to us on all podcast listening platforms uh spotify apple music uh stitcher TuneIn, in etc we are now on amazon music podcasts so you Hell can check us out yeah. there that's something you use Yeah, and uh, um, we have merch. You can go check that out on um, our... uh, Fuck, just go to our Twitter or Insta. And like our link in our bios, that'll lead you to our merch. The Mothman pillow is really cute.
1: I can testify.
0: Yes, you can testify. So can I, so can Shannon. Because, yes, I buy my own merch at full price, mind you. (laughs) (laughs) Because I kind of stan it and love it. So there's that. And, uh, yeah, if you have any future um, episode ideas same thing just dm us let us know and uh, remember no large meals before bedtime the mothman is real um sunny's a sad hoe and i'm, <laughs> I'm How could you honestly that? there too so <laughs> so good night everyone
1: good night <laughs>